So starting in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. Ah, yes, and welcome back to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Woo! Colorful backgrounds! Yes, and welcome back to the Summer Short Series. That is a series in the summer where the episodes are short. And in theory, we do whatever we want. Yeah, we truly, yeah, y'all. Um, summer shorts for those who, if if you're new, hey, how you doing, Marcy? Akko, Akko, Marcy. Um, <laughs> yeah, usually we just take this time typically over the summer to just kind of dabble into different genres that we haven't really explored, mm-hmm. or like rather that we don't typically explore during the year. So we'll talk about you know nonfiction, graphic novels, some plays, some poems, visual novels, mm-hmm. so some video games for the gamers out there. Um, it's like really pretty much a free for all at this point. Like, yeah. Yes, truly a free for all. Free indeed. But um, today we're actually going to stick a little closer to our name, a little truer to form, and we're going to read a short story. Yes, so we're reading a Caribbean mm-hmm. short story called The Pain Tree by Olive Senior. Now, it's actually an anthology. It's not an anthology. It's mm-hmm. a book of short stories. Mm-hmm. But we only read one. That's right, y'all. We only read <laughs> we one. Just sorry. one. We didn't we read multiple. Just, just read one. <laughs> we were tired. We read one. You're getting one. I'm sorry. We, it's, it's just it's just what it is at this point. <laughs> but it'll be a good one, you know. Exactly. A nice, uh, um, uh, a hearty, a hearty. Okay. So anyway, now just to give a little back. <laughs> a hearty one. Just emphasis on the one. One. Not two. Not three. One. One. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like when you um, put chili in your che- in your Cheetos bag, you know, it's hard. It's good. With mm-hmm. a little cheddar on top. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. So, or maybe it's your Fritos. Uh, yeah, don't put in your Cheetos. Put in your Fritos. Yeah. So, speaking of not that at all, Olive is an award-winning <laughs> author, <laughs> author of 18 books of fiction and nonfiction and poetry and children's literature. Go the fuck off. Movies. Like, what? I know, right? I know. Like, be multifaceted. So anyway, love that. Um, her many awards include Canada's Writers Trust Matt Cohen Award for Lifetime Achievement, the OCM Bocas Prize for Caribbean Literature, the Commonwealth Writers Prize, an honorary doctorate from the University of the West Indies, Go the and the Gold Medal of the Institute of Jamaica. Yes, her work. I know, right? Like, yeah, sis. Let's, you know, I well, she's much older than us so yes ma'am auntie thank you for what you've provided for our society um so her work has been taught internationally and is widely translated she is from jamaica and lives in toronto but returns frequently to the caribbean and it remains a central part of her work her work often addresses questions of caribbean identity in terms of gender and ethnicity and actually here in the pantry i think there's also a class element as well mm, definitely definitely yeah that's that's amazing um and i'm pretty sure the setting for pantry is also in jamaica um it is I, yes yes so and, and it would be like let's see she left when she was 10 which was during the war right after the war so it would be in like 1960s nine jamaica like mid 20th century jamaica mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, closer to the second half of the 20th century. Yeah, because I remember there was something in the... Oh, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, we, could, we, could, we could just have a setting later. But, um, but yes, speaking yeah. of not getting ahead of ourselves, Marcy, 
I Everyone's have... like, what is happening in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Transitions are sharp as rocks, my God. <laughs> right. They're like, is this smooth or is it not smooth? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we do know. But any case, I have a question. Uh, yes. What is your question? So the question today is, in this book, the... I guess the main character, although not the narrator of the story, Larissa, Mm. when she feels burdened or sorrowful, she takes a nail from the ground. She works at the narrator's estate. Uh, She's a servant. Uh, Honestly, Mm -hmm. might be closer to like a surf situation, but we'll get into the Mm. um, undertones there. But anyway, she takes a nail and she uses a rock and she hits it into a tree. And the tree is is called a pain tree. And it, she says it's actually a common practice of, you know, people she knows, mm-hmm. um, even though the narrator is not as familiar with it. So I wanted to know, how do you deal with overwhelming sorrow, pain, you know, or deep pain or deep sorrow or things, you know, that burden? Because um, mm. that's when she was, what she was saying was when it's too much to bear, you know, you, you take it to the pain tree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, this is such an interesting question because it's like I have my rituals, but also just want to name that I am a person, and so even with like my like even if I know conceptually like oh like these there are some ways to like you know cope with certain things like sometimes it's just a lot messier than that. But um, but yeah, I would say typically I've always been someone who's kind of process emotions i feel like there's gonna be a surprise to no one who's been listening to the podcast for a while but like <laughs> i definitely like to process through through movement so like you know whether that be dance or also just like just like a really good workout going for a run just like something to just, to just sort of like animate my body in a certain way and just like kind of move through space i feel like that's always been a really good way for me to like process overwhelming overwhelming emotions Ooh, um what'd you say i love that yeah so so, yeah, so I'll typically do that. Other, you know, other times I'll, you know, I'll like journal and stuff like that. I feel like journaling can be helpful. Albeit journaling can also make things a little worse sometimes, actually, if it's like I'm just really mm-hmm. overwhelmed. I'm just like spiraling on the page and I'm just like seeing the visual representation of the chaos in my mind. I'm like, oh, man, this is a lot. Oh, so I feel like sometimes, yeah, like it, journaling has its place. But I feel like typically like I feel like journaling is good for like the coming down of like a like a you know really intense moment or like a crisis or mm. something like that. But like in the midst of that shit, like while it's like literally happening or like while we're still reaching the apex, um, I'm like, let me just like move my body in some way and just kind of like flail about and just kind of like do something. Because at the very least, yeah, I mean, after all that, I'll be tired. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can go to sleep and just kind of like sleep it off. Um, so I would say like journaling and dance or dance and or movement um typically are my kind of ways of processing a lot of sorrow and pain other ways though i mean sometimes it's just it just if it's just like a lot i'm like and i'm trying to work on this but sometimes i'm just like what if i just sort of like stayed in place and just did nothing and just stared into the abyss and just sort of like was there and it's like sometimes i'll just like get into this really like contemplative space where i like ironically don't do anything like i literally just like sit there and just like be in it um which also, I guess, has its place, but you know, sometimes if for if it goes on, at least for me, for too long, it's like this is 
this is not particularly helpful. Mm. Also, too, processing with friends is something I do a lot. Um, definitely leaning on friends as well and just being like, girl, I'm going through it. And it's like, okay, Marcy, like, what's, <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, I would say I kind of, like, dabble between different strategies. But again, this is me in, like, an ideal setting. Sometimes it's, like, just, just overwhelming. And I'm like, let's just, like like i don't know play hours and hours of video games and just like completely forget that i'm a person it's like you know that's like oh a, a way of processing you know but like it's just you know is that like the most direct way maybe not but um but yeah so sometimes yeah it, it's it's I'm, I'm a bit more collected than in other times but but yeah so yeah what about you i like that you pointed out that feelings are messy and that they just <laughs> They just spill out, spill out from any ritual that you try to use to contain them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I agree. I I think actually for a decent portion of my life, my, I've fluctuated between healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms with Mm -hmm. pain and sorrow. I think I am a person who is capable of of very strong repression. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of that only for obviously things to come back later and be like, Hey, yep. I know you thought that repressing yep. it deep within yourself and hardening mm-hmm. it into a, a ball as tight as steel would solve the problem. <laughs> but it actually surprisingly did not. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, that's something I used to do. I, 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 in my healthier times in my youth. Yeah, I did. I, I used to run a lot. I used to really like, running and as i've gotten older to to your point so when you know these ball of steels of repressed memories came out and i realized i was you know acting through trauma sometimes yeah often i Mm -hmm. had to 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 and the other thing i would do when i when i thought i was you know smarter than life (laughs) after i was Mm -hmm. a teen you know in my early 20s i was like yeah now i'm I'm, i know i would over analyze and Mm -hmm. ruminate and i could ruminate for hours i could get Mm -hmm. myself in a whole labyrinth of ruminations Mm -hmm. and i would pick apart the thing or the thing that was was bugging me until i i thought if i could get to the seed of what was irritating me i would then like have the answer and sometimes it would work right sometimes you do Mm -hmm. need to to parse out a, a knotted thought or feeling but i would do it in the as a replacement for feeling the feeling mm. I said would as if that was the past. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Um, but to your point now ish recently ish I've, I've come to this better, I think, or different tool of feeling or, or not managing is kind of hard. Cause it sounds like you're trying to like, control it which is Mm. the truth is feelings are the antithesis of of being controlled Mm. but i I, this process of feeling the feeling all the way through and it's not always the most comfortable thing especially for me who is not practiced at it which is why you should not get into the practice of repressing your emotions because Mm. then when you go to (laughs) get in the practice of not repressing it's very difficult but um Mm. it's so it's this process of letting go and i i had to it's so funny that you said like these moments where you're just still, I had to do that. Like I had to force myself to just be still and stop fighting the emotion and, and let it pass over like a wave and, and feel mm-hmm. it reverberate through my body. And and then 
you know, name what it is. <laughs> what am I mm-hmm. feeling? Where is it coming from? As best you can. And then remind yourself that it's no longer currently happening. Or if it is, you're at least in that moment safe. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're not in that moment safe, then your body's repression or your body's adrenaline kick is actually what's helping you. And so you should probably not be <laughs> processing no. your emotions <laughs> if you're in a dangerous situation. That's oh, literally our bodies don't for that very reason. But but mm-hmm. if you then tell yourself that I'm not in that moment anymore or that moment has passed and then that you, you name it and you let your body feel it and then it dissipates over time. And the, sec- the third, the second part over time, that part I had a hard time with because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I've let go of the emotion. Emotion, I felt the emotion. Why is it still here? And you're like, <laughs> emotions do not conform <laughs> to yeah. the constraints, your constraints mm-hmm. of time and like what you need to do. They're just going to do it until they're over. And I was like sitting there impatiently. Like, <laughs> and you're like, you have to be able to live while the emotion is occurring, but while still letting it go, mm-hmm. which is really hard. And that's yeah. why people don't do it. But I have, and it's also antithetical to capitalism because it requires you to take up time to not do anything, like you were mm-hmm. saying, earlier, Marcy. <laughs> and capitalism is like, if you're not doing anything, doesn't that mean that you're basically unethical and amoral? And you're like, ah, oh, whoa, like, that's just some it's like, doesn't that mean that you shouldn't <laughs> exist? Like, why are you even right. here? Like, why are you even in flesh and bone? Like, what? Uh, waste of right. space. And it's like, no, wow, like, shouldn't that's... you be heavily penalized? <laughs> right, criminalized um, even? And I'm like, huh, right. that is a way of, I guess, observing that. But, um. Right. Certainly so, not the best way. Certainly not the best. <laughs> certainly not the best. But but yeah, that's the practice I've I've tried to get into more and I kind of like pair that with like taking a walk or a run mm. or listening to music or you know, so that's what yeah. I try to do. But to be honest with you, sometimes when the emotion overwhelms you, you're gonna do whatever you <laughs> going yep, to do. Just um, what ever um whatever you're gonna do but you you and, try i think to be better at being sad if that exactly makes sense. no that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense and, and honestly something that helps me too is that sometimes because like it's so interesting because especially if i'm just like in a space where i'm like wow doing i just have so little energy for anything that i'm like okay i gotta really be intentional with how i'm gonna <laughs> like move forward in, mm-hmm. in my life sometimes i'm like okay i only got like so much energy so Things that I know are healthy for me, things I know are like good coping mechanisms and healthy coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms that have like worked previously in my life and still would. It's like, it just seems like the activation energy to do any of those things is just like too much. So what I'll do sometimes is that I'll give myself like a a little time limit, not to feel the feeling, Mm. but to just kind of like do whatever the fuck. So if I'm just like, wow, like Mm -hmm. I'm just experiencing all the emotion, this is like too much. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give myself like a day. Or like a weekend to just like be like, just girl, however you get through it, however you get through it. Like it's no judgment here, mm-hmm. like whatever. But then after that time period has passed, I'm like, okay, girl, like we at least got to like start peeling ourselves off the floor and like trying to, you know, right. like do some like be a bit more like let's let's try to, you know, do the thing now. Um, and I find that usually that is really good because otherwise it's like some I, I would feel really guilty about like unhealthily yeah. coping with things and being like oh my god and then it's like the guilt only makes it worse and you just like kind of start to spiral so just kind of giving myself like a finite okay i got until this time and just be like girl if you want to just play video games for three days straight and like not blink i mean i've never done that but like you know like, if that's what you want to do like <laughs> do assist like whatever like if you want to like right. however you move through is how we move through but at, once we get to this day like in time let's move out the journal let's play some music mm-hmm. let's move let's, start let's to do process. exactly yeah. let's start to you know let's start this process um 
and just kind of like get it out of mm-hmm. my system. So yeah, so yeah, I, like chaotic, really... but like helps sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> like... no, I think I think that's really. I think there has to be space for chaos, right? I, yeah, you're, you're right. When I feel when something really overwhelms me, I tend to just lie on the floor. <laughs> no, I've literally <laughs> done that. Be, Yes, I just like I, I like will be standing and then I would just like slowly like go down <laughs> to the fetal <laughs> position on the floor and I'm like I'm just going to lie here for a while yep. and that mm-hmm. is okay. That is okay. And I think, yeah, like 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 you're saying, right? That's such a balanced approach to chaos and control, right? There is mm. the allowing this the the ness of you, like mm. the feeling came and it overwhelmed you. Okay. And you just let it be. Mm. And then you balance that sort of ethereal chaos with then this control like this. Okay. But I'm a human and I'm alive and I'm alive mm. for a finite amount of time. And so I should probably <laughs> so, <laughs> get up. <laughs> it's not um, to say I'm going to feel instantly better. I'll likely feel like shit, but like typically mm. I, I find that, once I started get you know, once I get into whatever ritual, it's like twenty minutes later. I'm like, I'm glad I did this, and then everyone mm-hmm. like I don't know all the me's in my mind are just like, we've been trying to get this bitch to get off the floor for three days, and <laughs> and like she's talking about, oh my god, it's gonna be so like it's gonna be so much, and then literally like ten minutes, and it's like should have done this three days ago, and it's like. <laughs> that's that's our client that's who we're dealing with um forever actually our minds forget forever (laughs) just just the person i am i guess at this point um so yeah Uh, i love that but i i really like i mean i I, the thing is that like we think after we're starting to get better that we could have done it earlier but the truth of the matter is that we could not have that's so because wrong. if we could have done it earlier we would have done it come earlier. on thank you just bring it in facts thank mm-hmm. you yes correct mm-hmm. so but our minds our minds forget quickly yeah <sighs> Ooh. yeah fun so <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a break <laughs> and back we're gonna do a summary of the paint tree by <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna do a, a a summary of the pain tree by Olive Senior. Yes. Uh, see y'all in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry for you know the mismarketing. We're like summer short series, like you know out here summer, ah, and we're like, so how do you deal with like the most intense pain and sorrow? <laughs> like, what are your coping mechanisms? That's so a good um, point. <laughs> like literally, like the so jarring. But um, but yeah, but you I know, feel like the like, whole summer has been like that. We're like, woo, everything <laughs> summer, hot girl summer, <laughs> shorts, buns out, suns out, and then we're like, so let's talk deeply about you know the sociopolitics. <laughs> but we're doing it with cold juice drinks maybe exactly it's like i'm wearing short shorts and talking about how i deal with trauma you know what i mean like it's just like, right like, like i'm on rollerblades like going to therapy um so you know that's I'm just sorry, i love that image. that's just kind of the, that's the aesthetic at this point and we love that um but yes, so, but yeah, but, um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about, uh, The Pain Tree now by Olive Senior. Um, 
So, like I'll mentioned, that is the name of both the collection of short stories, but also a the I guess the titular. There's a short story within the pain tree that is its own story. So we're gonna yeah, just talk about that story real quick. So yes, so boom. <clears throat> so our story begins with our unnamed narrator heading back to Jamaica <laughs> after about 15 years of living abroad. So for context, um, she. Lived in Jamaica up until the point where she was 10. And then at that point, she went to a boarding school in Britain where she studied archaeology, where she ended up later studying archaeology. So she's coming back after 15 years because her dad has like recently passed away. And her mom was like, you know, you should come home and like claim this inheritance um, at the large estate that they live on. So they got some money is basically Mm -hmm. all we need to really know here. So the narrator comes home and, like, just kind of, like, immediately doesn't really feel much of a connection to the estate, even though, like, it's been, like, 15 years. Um, She notes, though, that the estate itself was, like, was it for for sure built on slave labor or, like, she speculates that it was built with slave labor? I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was, like, a colonial house that they ended up after... we could go into like the sociopolitics, but I'm I'm fairly sure they're upper class. So they've inherited mm. a colonial house and the colonial house when first built was built by by slave labor. Got you. Got you. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, so she's so she's noting that. Um she has a conversation with her mom that's like interesting because like her mom's like really like done up and sort of like, you know, looks very like yeah, like she's just super done up and like they have this whole conversation about um you know how they're used to they used to have folks who like worked in the home and basically like the narrator was just kind of like yeah, like, do folks really still do that for real? And then, like, her, you know, the mom was just like, um, yeah, like, I mean, people will still work in people's homes, but they don't really, like, stay the night anymore. They don't live there anymore because, you know, there's this whole independence thing. Like, you know, folks want to be independent <laughs> now. And, like, you know, like, workers' rights. And so we can, like, take from that that, like, this is pre-Jamaican independence, which, for those who may not be aware, happened in 1962. So mm-hmm. around that time. So, so during this conversation and just sort of, like, a little bit before as well um our narrator was thinking about a woman named larissa who used to actually work in the house and essentially played a really large role in like our narrator's upbringing like she was pretty much like i mean her mom was there but like you know she kind of looked to larissa as like a sort of like a secondary Mm -hmm. mother figure um and she took you know really good care of her and all of that and so basically um the narrator was like hey mom so like um would love to see you know the quarters where folks used to stay you know when they worked here and stuff and so um Basically, she goes over there. Sorry, we should point out that they're they are servants. Like I know we we don't want to say people are servants because that's not like people are not their status, mm-hmm. but that's the socio politics of the day. Like Larissa isn't just working there; she's it's a it's a class division. She's a servant mm-hmm. who works at the house. Thank you for saying that because I will say I was I was like how do I how do I talk about this because I was like typically yeah like I like to just use like people first language like you know just center on the people. And it's like, this is a thing that you do. But, but Akko's right. Like, this is very much a clear division between people. So thank you for, for calling that out and, and naming mm. that. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah. So she's like, yeah, like, we need to go to the, like, I want to just check out the servants' quarters. You know, I'm thinking about Larissa a lot. I just kind of want to, like, reconnect with that space. So she heads over. And, you know, she goes to Larissa's room where Larissa used to stay. And the room at this point is still, is, um, still pretty well preserved. Um, so basically, at one thing that, like, Larissa would do a lot is that, like, um, she would take like different like clippings and just kind of like p- put them on the wall. Like they would take like cassava glue and just like paste them on the wall. Um, so they would take different clippings from like the newspaper, magazines, stuff like that. And so, you know, they would like take things like, you know, beautiful clothes or the royal family. And the two of them would kind of paint them up on the wall, kind of like this ongoing living collage that the two of them would share. And so around this time around, so around World well, War II. I mean, 
apparently in the story says only Larissa like actually put them on on the wall like the narrator the narrator would help her make the glue but it sounds like this was actually not the the experience is moderately shared but it's mostly Larissa's interesting see that's okay i i read it that they would do it together but i guess yeah they were making i mean they're still technically doing it together if she like made the glue but um but yeah well yeah i mean same two two sides of the same coin you know like yeah like those are just two different interpretations but sorry yeah continue no you're good so um so yeah so that's how like like so yeah so the narrator will like kind of bear witness to larissa doing this and so yeah so around the time of world war ii Larissa would have the narrator kind of just like read her news articles so she could just kind of like keep abreast on what's going on. For context, um, Larissa actually um, had two sons named Zebede and Moses, both of whom were actually at war. Um, for context, again, like Jamaica used to be a British colony. So like, you know, when the war, World War II broke out, like they're Jamaican soldiers as well. And so, yeah, she I, I think that was kind of Larissa's way of like kind of just keeping abreast on what's going on and just sort of like knowing more about the situation that, you know, her her sons are directly involved in. Right. So. One day, um, they actually get a telegram to the house that arrives for Larissa, which basically says that her son, Zebede, actually died um, on a Navy ship, like, at war. And it was interesting because Larissa, you know lost her son but she she wasn't really given the space to grieve like the narrator Mm -hmm. doesn't really recall larissa ever like mourning openly about it like it was just kind of like you know news that she took in and that was kind of that right and so yeah and yeah you know and the thing is too that like her other son moses like we there there never a telegram never arrived for him saying like what happened to him but like frankly i mean they never really heard from him again so like we can kind of just put two and two together and you know put together that her sons died at the war died in the war and um that was just kind of like the reality of the situation yeah and yeah as marcy's saying like the narrator notes that larissa isn't given the same time to grieve as someone else in her in her community so the narrator's community so the upper class community whose son died and she notes that the difference in the sorrow like the the upper class woman wore black for a whole year she had the community sympathy like everyone kind of rallied around her whereas Mm -hmm. she notes that larissa maybe had one conversation with her parents and then just kept working Mm -hmm. and then the narrator remembers a specific day when Larissa was kind of pacing the grounds looking for something and she spots a nail on the ground. And so she, the narrator kind of follows her and watches her and Larissa goes to a tree sort of further away, a cedar tree, and it looks mm-hmm. like she's whispering into the tree and she's leaning on it. And then she takes the nail and like a stone and she like whacks the nail into the stone mm-hmm. um, and then walks away. The narrator notes that it kind of feels something spiritual, something like private, like a prayer. But eventually she's like super curious. <laughs> so she ends up asking Larissa what it was. And basically Larissa points out, oh, she's like, it's a pain tree. Don't, don't you know about a pain tree? And she's like, mm-hmm. no. And she's like, oh, everyone in my community is about a pain tree. It's, mm-hmm. You know, she says like when it's when life is too hard to bear and it's too much, you just take your pain to the, the pain tree and then the, you know, the sorrow leaves you. So the narrator remembers she tries to do that herself <laughs> and she tries to take yeah. a nail and granted she's also 10 and she tries to nail into a tree but she she notes like the quote unquote magic doesn't work for her mm-hmm. and she goes to Larissa and is like yeah this doesn't work and Larissa shrugs and says maybe people like her meaning you know upper class people don't need a pain tree mm-hmm. and um and the narrator notes that in that moment she felt like was one of the few moments she felt uncomfortable like a distance yeah. between her and Larissa mm-hmm. so then the narrator remembers the day she left Jamaica when she was 10 and Larissa was there but she was like oh i forgot i wanted to give you something and she she leaves to go get her something but 
kind of being in a rush to go and her parents being in the front of the car and not really caring because obviously there's classism at play here. Mm-hmm. Um, she drives off without receiving it. Yeah. And she's, when she remembers this memory, which was buried deep inside of herself, she, she feels suddenly filled with shame and sorrow and mm-hmm. not just about forgetting the gift <laughs> to, you know, not staying to talk to Larissa, but also just about the whole sociopolitical backdrop you know, she's suddenly seeing it for her what it is, her, her privilege in the system and Larissa's, you know, her positionality in the society and what that means. And right. she's she's aggrieved, actually. She's like mm. sorrowful in the room. She's like the room felt like it was closing in on her and she was she starts tearing at the newspaper on the wall in English anguish mm-hmm. and then she she like has a moment where she realizes like this room is already abandoned like Larissa isn't in this room anymore like she's already moved on because you know in the same way she didn't understand the pain tree but, but Larissa does you know her community likely you know was like this is our class so we mm-hmm. just kind of live with people and raise our kids for a while and then we leave and so she realized that she's sitting in her own sorrow because she did not she was ignorant and um, her privilege made her ignorant to <laughs> yeah. the situation at the time. And, and, and it was a reality that Larissa already understood. Yeah. And and I want to just add real quick. So I think a part of the anguish here is also just like the guilt of knowing that not only did the narrator like not get, you know, whatever this thing was that Larissa wanted to give her, but like she didn't really even say bye to Larissa. Like she just kind of yeah. got in the car and was like, yeah, someone Pretty just much. say bye to Larissa, like to like no one in particular, like just left like pretty unceremoniously and it was just kind of like this woman raised you and like mm-hmm. you yourself say that you know she was deeply important to you and this is kind of how you like you like you would never like what like how is this like the way you exit from the situation with, with given you know the role that larissa's played in your life so yes yeah, so i think there's just a lot of like just regret with how right. all that was handled and, and, and all of that exactly so. and it's like um there's regret in the sense too that like this girl was 10 so she like didn't understand the weight of her behavior but this, mm. the institution of the time allowed it allowed her the disregard. So she's seeing how the privilege of her circumstance kind of like made her ignorant or disregard something that was actually of quite a large amount of significance to her. Right. Um, I don't know. I saw in that intersection of like the institution and the person, especially for a 10 year old, the institution is so much stronger than the individual. Mm. Um, but what was I going to say? This is an analysis and I haven't finished the summary. Yeah. Okay. So then, <laughs> <laughs> so then the narrator goes to find the pain tree to see it. And she, when she goes to see it, she realizes it's huge and tall and high in the air. And she's, she, she knew that nails wouldn't be where they were when she was a kid because the, it's been 15 years. So the tree has grown. Mm-hmm. And, but she, as she looks up, she sees, you know, the 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 metallic nails sticking out of the the tree trunk higher up in the air and she thinks wow you know these these women you know who had this pain and grief she she realizes like this ritual of coming to the pain tree you know you could the, the tree could handle it and the tree would keep going and and she thinks you know i'm i'm going to quote unquote inherit this estate you know but they're ones who've always possessed the earth mm. um, anyway so then then the narrator finds a nail and it takes it to the pantry and nails it in and this time the nail goes in so and that's yeah. the summary yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this episode y'all yeah that's just you know this episode is just it is what it is you know yeah it's so. a little um melancholic but you know there's room for melancholy in life 
Exactly. Even in the summer. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. But, um, but yes. But thank you, Akko. Um, now we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then we get back. We'll talk about all the feelings and thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, thanks for this rendezvous and to this sort of melancholic story. Um, I really like this short story. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, strangely. I thought I was just going to read it and have moderate thoughts on it. I don't know why I thought <laughs> that. That's literally never happened with any book we've ever read. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little absurd that I thought that. But what really got me about this book was how clearly and maybe maybe very tangibly expressed the legacy of colonialism after it's decreased its power and when it leaves behind Mm -hmm. so just a quick fast fast and dirty footnotes with Akko I'm not going to get into the whole history of Jamaica but first the Spanish colonized it and and the Spanish colonizers actually murdered a, a large amount of the um, indigenous population, the Arawak people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the larger group. And it's the Taino people were actually like the smaller subject of the Arawak people. And the Taino people slash Arawak people are like basically the indigenous people of the Caribbean, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which we don't really talk about. So after that, the British came and the British were like, hmm, looks like there's not that many people here. And you're like, no, there were a lot of people here. They were murdered. And they're like, looks like there's not that many people here. And you're like, oh, Britain, you literally see, you see those people over there. And Britain's like, I guess we'll, in, we'll bring in enslaved Africans to do all sorts of um, cash crop labor. And you're like, Britain, literally you're just compounding your terrors on top of more terrors. And they're like, there's like, nothing wrong with this. It's <laughs> just Jesus Christ. Like, And you're like, okay. But because yeah. of that, right, you see in this and and that's what you're seeing the remnants of this very um colonial um societal structure right you have the class system you have um servants who are probably enslaved africans before the author olive senior is is much lighter skinned caribbean likely mixed um with different ethnic groups including uh, those of african descent also other groups and I think that's reflecting the story that the narrator Mm -hmm. is also a lighter skinned individual. Um, Mm -hmm. And you see in her parents, you know, there's this reflection of, Oh, you're going to inherit this estate and her mother's disdain for the fact that Mm -hmm. um, the, the proletariat Jamaicans wish to only work in the daytime and not give up their whole life to be an in-house servant in your um, estate. And, but also that's um juxtaposed look at that y'all you thought i wasn't gonna say it but it's um (laughs) juxtaposed with this sort of um dilapidation of the estate and this sort Mm. of waning empire and 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 i think a lot of the post-colonial world especially the the poc post-colonial world we live in this shadow of an empire of a dead empire um Mm -hmm. And and the structures are still there, you know, reminiscent. And yet we are just now trying to, we're just now imagining forward, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it makes sense because Jamaica's independence was 1962, right? That's so recent. So recent. Um, like, oh my God. 
And it, it kind of reminds me of The Beautiful Ones Are Not Yet Born, um, mm-hmm. which is a Ghanaian post-colonial book that talks about the same, like, and yet we are still in the mental, you know, infrastructure of colonialism, if not the physical infrastructure. And I think what you're seeing with the narrator coming back is how much she realizes that internalization and how she rejects it, you know? And that's mm-hmm. p- possibly the Jamaican imagining, right? Is to reject the structure that you even benefited from. You know, she she, she says that, um, what does she say? She has a line. She talks a lot about the inheritance possessing her, right? So she says, mm-hmm. there's a line she says, that only those who are born rich can afford the luxury of not wanting to own anything. We can try it on on as a way of avoiding complicity. But in my heart of hearts, I know my inherit my inheritance already possesses me. Mm. I, I think that's such a poignant description of 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 what oppression does, right? Of what privilege does, where you become mentally tied to to, to the power that it gives you. And when she's right. ten, you know, she thinks she has all the advantages. When she's ten, she thinks, oh, you know, she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't even think about it at all. But as she gets older, she realizes, oh, this thing that's giving me so much privilege is actually, you know, it's its own chains. Okay, that's mm-hmm. kind of, it's its own prison. It's its own whatever metaphor, mm-hmm. you know. It, yeah. <laughs> you are stuck to it, You're, you know. Mm-hmm. And in an actuality, it's it's still not as connected as Larissa is to the actual place that they are, you know. Right. Anyway. Exactly. Mm. Love that. Love that. Yeah, so... I really enjoyed the short story too. Um, similarly, I was like, okay, about to read a short story. Let, let's see. Like, just like real, like, um, <laughs> okay, girl, I guess I'm doing this now. It's like, Marcy, what is this attitude? Like, <laughs> like you know, read the story and it, it definitely made me think of a lot. I love sort of kind of tying it back to both what you just said and also something you said earlier. Um, I just love the image of like, <clears throat> it's like, Yes, the narrator's coming back and like inheriting this home that's again sort of like you said emblematic of this like dying empire, this like you know this dying sort of colonial energy that like you know is clearly like the the house itself is like I mean you know it's not in its prime right and so mm-hmm. but at the same time like you know folks like Larissa like you know being really atta- like having a connection to like the surface underneath all of that and, and like almost like being like at the base of it maintaining a sort of sense of humanity that that one typically gives up to you know accept mm-hmm. whatever type of privilege whether it be colonial or you know whatever kind of like social axis of power and so it's interesting that like I, I really liked that piece and I feel like one thing I noticed as well that I also really liked is that I loved that like though the story was about the narrator like it was pretty much all about Larissa and like Larissa mm-hmm. was the only one who really had a name like I don't even think the mm-hmm. narrator said her mom's name like I think it was no. just like you know, like Larissa was pretty much the only one that had a name was the only one that was really like kind of characterized and like it kind of added to sort of like this almost like ghostly energy of the story of like you're coming back to this estate that like you haven't been to a, like super long everything's super different like your mom's kind of pissed at the changes recently it's like you're kind of like <laughs> you're like this wave of chaos like ripping shit off of like Larissa's room but it's like Larissa's not even there anymore. It's just something about it felt like mm, it's like exactly. It felt like there was like kind of this haunting energy and like kind of I guess in spirit with um you know this like imminent independence with Jamaica and like all of that. It's just it feels very like everyone. It's like the it's like this shit is crumbling <laughs> and like and and it felt like there was like a decentering of you know this kind of colonial energy like this like sort of the folks that are the most privileged in this situation and really centering like you know people like Larissa who I mean yes Larissa specifically but also just kind of by extension like you know folks who are in a similar sort of social um, 
social station that she was in. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I kind of liked that device. I thought that was really interesting. I agree. Um, I also just sort of, something about the pain tree, it's it's like, it's, it's just so interesting because it's like just the image of like a tree with like a bunch of like metal nails sticking out of it. Something about that is just like so visceral and like kind of a, like mm-hmm. un, like unsettling to me. Um, it actually made me think about um, so there's a phenomenon called like trypophobia, which I, I, I hesitate to even talk about it because like I don't know. Uh, but uh, basically, it's like it's like a fear of like a lot of small holes in a sort like looking at something like a bumblebee like a like a wasp nest or something and being mm. uncomfortable by that like that's kind of like that phenomenon is like trypophobia it made me think of that i mean obviously mm. it's not like holes in the tree but something about yeah these like metallic jettings of this tree that like clearly don't yeah. belong there all being in a short cluster it just made me feel like kind of like uncomfortable and i feel like that image was just really effective for me because I was like, yeah, yeah. this is just, it's, and it's something, especially something like as unassuming as a tree that's literally just like in nature, just trying to live its life, like just like having to bear the weight, you know, like, which is so like, yeah. oh God, like it's just, it's just such a disruption. It just kind of shows like just how disrupting and like upsetting and like just fucked up all of this is, like this whole history is. So yeah, I felt that like that was really effective. And also just the idea of like, damn, like Larissa losing, losing both of her yeah. children. And it's like, you know, just like the only thing you can do is just like nail a nail into a tree. It's like it's like all mm-hmm. of the like suffering and screaming and just like the whatever emotions you need to move through. It's like all of that just has to be contained in this one action. And that's just so like, oh, God, I don't know. It just. Yeah, it felt very. Yeah. Reading it just felt. Yeah. It's just something very haunting about the entire thing, but like was really effective. I mean, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is horror. Like, I'm not saying all that. But like, there is like a haunting energy in the story. No, that I, I thought, agree with you. Which is done really, really well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcy is such a genius. I want to like pirouette off of two of your points. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, pirouette. Yes. <laughs> the first one is that I, I agree. I think there is I can I got into this whole conversation about atonement when we were on Curtis's show, which you should all listen to. Um <laughs> when we did um the There is Confusion, which I won't get into into now because it's a lot, but it's a movie, mm-hmm. you can watch it. But it did this this short story gave me the same feeling of atonement. Um mm-hmm. she wrote it to atone and she she specifically decentered herself in a way that she had 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 not done in life, which she specifically mm-hmm. states, right? So she takes, she strips herself of her name, in the way that mm-hmm. that people, that the servants and enslaved people have been stripped of theirs, mm-hmm. and instead focuses this woman, and even in this focusing realizes there are so many things about her she doesn't know, because there are so many things, and I, you know, I'm going to assume that Larissa is darker skin. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, they, um, yeah, yeah, but there's so many things about about women of of lower class and and darker skin in colonial times that we do not know and i Mm. I think this is an attempt to to force her into into the the consciousness of people and to say you know to 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 remind people that she this person learns was human and she knows that because she was with her at least for a time um Mm -hmm. and i so she's trying to to correct that disregard in her writing which i think is similar to persephilis right where she writes Mm -hmm. these people in a way so that they cannot be forgotten and maybe that's Mm -hmm. all we do in writing in many ways is to write that specific thing but but to jump off that point into your second point so marcy was in the pool of points and i jumped from one (laughs) pool into the other pool everyone's like can you just continue you need to make these metaphors um (laughs) um but um the the tree the metaphor right like you're saying that visceral image of these metal you know 
industrial tools, mm. industrial items jutting out of this natural sort of right nature <laughs> thing mm-hmm. um, is so indicative of colonialism, right? And and that 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 jarringness that mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying there's something disconcerting uncomfortable about nails yeah. shutting out of a tree it, it is supposed it, in a way makes me feel you know we we and the fact that you know and at all other times there's like this calmness in the estate right this this mm-hmm. pain tree is out in the distance where people can't see it uh, the the estate is running as usual and you know the beds are probably laid properly the food is on the table the tea is in the kitchen and we think of that as as peace but you pull that mm-hmm. up a little bit and you realize that it's built on on such pain in mm-hmm. actuality that pain tree is is part of the picture you know so if you took the estate and then put the pain tree more centralized in the photo the 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 state suddenly looks haunting like you said like Mm -hmm. horrific um and it made me feel like oh this is the cost of what we've done you know because people have to carry the burden of society and so that jutting (laughs) imagery Mm -hmm. you know like it's it is how it's the pain of people who have to Mm -hmm. live here that can't be expressed in any other way yeah uh, so I think you make a really, really good point about that metaphor, and I think you were so brilliant to oh. describe its hauntingness. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say, too, you know, this is something that just occurred to me, but, like, I can imagine the experience of going to the paint tree, like, nail in hand, like, you know, stone ready and everything, and just seeing how many oh, other there's... nails there are. Like, mm-hmm. it's just there's something, like... I mean, depending on, I guess, why, like, your approach and why you, why it is you're going to the tree, it's kind of like, okay, at the very least, I know I'm not the only one suffering. Like, there's, like, mm-hmm. a there's like a kind of collective, not even, like, I won't even say catharsis, but it's like, okay, at the very least, I know that, like, I mean, there's only so many other people who live around this estate. So the fact that there's right. this many nails on the tree, it's like, okay, we're all, there's a there's a way of maintaining it. There's a, there's a messaging here. There's like a collective right. understanding. We kind of really understand we, there's, there's empathy that we can kind of build for one another and also kind of through that communicate, um, perhaps in a way that can, you know, show up as solidarity for one another, no, acknowledging mm-hmm. the degree of the pain that everyone, including ourselves, like, you know, b- both myself and you all, all of, all of us are experiencing. Um, feeling. Yeah. and it's just, it's so, it's just so interesting. And also too, it, it makes you think it's like how, like before you saw the pain tree, like, how do you miss some shit like that? It, it, like, like I don't know. Like, a part of me is like, was it even that mm. hidden? Like, was it really even that far away? Like, or exactly. was it just like there was just such a self-absorption with you know the folks living in the in the main house oh, yes. that like they just didn't you give a fuck. You just never see. noticed. They just never bothered to see it. Oh, you know, I think that's a really and and I think that's indicative of society, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the pain tree is clearly there, and yet it's just not in our perspective. It's just yeah. we we don't have to engage, and so we don't engage. Oh my God, that's also a, a great point, right? Like, it, it mm. you're right. How far was the pain tree from the from the state? Probably not very far at all. Yeah, and how you're right. How do you miss this tree filled with nails? And you know, <laughs> like, it's filled with nails <laughs> it's oh because God. you don't think about it. It, it means exactly. nothing to you. It, it doesn't mean anything to you, and 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 you're you're allowed to ignore it. You know, mm. but Larissa, when she gets there, she f- not. It was so interesting. She was like, "I, I knew it was a pain tree because there were nails in there already. Someone had already, you know." And she, and when, when, when the narrator is like, "What, what, what's this 
practice that you singularly doing solely because it's only you doing it. <laughs> he's like, no, this is a cultural practice. She was like, exactly. the pain tree was there before I even got here. I knew mm. what the tree was. And it's so interesting that people would 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 know to look <laughs> for a pain tree on a property, right? That's an mm. interconnectedness. And, and it, mm. also just to, to elaborate on your point, right? With the mother being like, Ugh, I guess people don't want to work because of this independence thing that came out of nowhere. You're like, <laughs> Did it come out of nowhere? Or is the independence arising from these pain trees? You know, mm. this collective sorrow. Clearly that's what it is, right? It has right. always been the case. That In fact, the pain tree is a an emblem is a book you know and not a book like a like a book that you read with like words mm-hmm. but you know a different it is a you know what i mean like it is a yeah. it tells the story of the pain which means that this independence desire for independence and likely desire for better working conditions did right. not spring from nowhere but actually has a very clear through line you just couldn't read mm-hmm. the beginning of the book because you didn't know the language it was written in Exactly. And it's like, there's such a, and, and it's so interesting that, cause it, that makes me just think about even just like ancestry. Like, it's like, I'm sure there are plenty of people who aren't even alive anymore, whose nails are still in the tree. And it's like mm-hmm. something about the trees enduring. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a, what's the name of a type of person that studies botanist studies trees. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, like I'm, sure. I'm not that, but <laughs> I would imagine that like the trauma of like nailing a bunch of shit into a tree would imagine that's probably not the best for the tree. And yet the fact that like, these trees still grow that like, you know, the nails are like so high that, you know, like the neighborhood has to look up to even see them. It's like, mm-hmm. I know to me, that's just so there's something really like beautiful about that as well. Like it, it almost yeah. represents like this literal, this, like this, this ascension over, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the, the forces at play. And it's not, and, and I, I say that cautiously cause I don't want to like, you know, fetishize people's pain or be like and through the pain we move is like the pain that people experience like was all this is all deeply unnecessary like there was like no inherent need for oh, this all yes. to happen like this was all constructed let's not act like oh well, it's like yes we're using it to like kind of alchemize a better future but at the same time like this you know this should have not this should not have happened period like just point blank well, um, that's the horror of it right like and that's what's so intertwined together that the horror is there like you're saying and when mm-hmm. the tree is shorter right the second someone nails it in the horror is so more present exactly as it grows it, I, I i agree with you i don't want to dismiss the pain yeah but there's something so interesting in it and in the dichotomy where she says dichotomy where she says <laughs> she you know she will possess the inherit the land but they already possess the earth. Like there is mm. a oneness. There's not a disconnect. Um, right. Whereas you know, and and there's a sh- there's there is peace and not being disconnected from the earth. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like that feeling you get when you see a really big ocean or a big mm. lake, and you feel so small, but in a good way because you realize like there's there's almost peace in being so much smaller than the infinite. Right. And I think. And that's so antithetical to like colonialism and capitalism, which says that humans are the most important thing or we're the best or like we control mm. everything. And in that, in that subjugation of the earth, right? Like that subjugation of, 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 and the creation of property and people's property and, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. I think there's, yeah, that image of the, the tree continuing to grow and get bigger is kind of like the sense of like, oh, you know, this is just a small time period in the expanse of, of mm-hmm. the universe. And it's <laughs> it's not the type of comfort you have when you're like 
holding your pillow crying in your bed <laughs> you know it's not yeah. like it does it's not comfortable it's not that's not the type of comfort you're like how is the infinite universe gonna make me feel better <laughs> like, yeah it's like that comfort you get stage three you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> no that's i don't real. know if i said that eloquently enough but hopefully no like resonates. no definitely definitely yeah it just it feels like both community like the 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 human community around you but also just like the other forms of life that exists like all it's like we're it seems like there's a collective resistance against exactly against what's happening um that's like cross like a trans species like solidarity can i say that anyway um yeah maybe i'm doing a lot (laughs) but um (laughs) i I think in the (laughs) same oh my gosh there's this yeah as we get closer to like as as we realize the significance of of what we've done with climate change there is a sense that like we are out of step but but with that so i don't think your your statement isn't i think it's a fine statement mm. but I, in, in the same way that the narrator by going to the pain tree she's rejecting well we'll see how much she rejects it the story kind of finishes before you yeah. have to see her give up yeah. any real land or inheritance <laughs> but in theory you know it seems by going to the pain tree she's she's rejecting the colonial history or the way of doing things and saying like mm. this is this is who i am like i am i'm jamaican these people are jamaican we're the same not the people who colonize but uh, rather us who are here um mm. and this now I, I i feel the sorrow of what i of of i i see what it really is now and so i'm i guess foregoing my privilege to 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 be amongst who i actually am you know what i mean yeah. like or maybe not, you know, like, we don't know. Again, she didn't actually give up any real land. Like, <laughs> nothing's been given up. She's, she's done nothing. <laughs> but That's wrong. So it could, it could just be, like, a a, uh, a symbolic, like, nail in the tree. So, anyway, yeah. that's kind of a criticism, I guess, but whatever. Yeah. That's real. All but, right. Um, I mean... Oh, did you have a quote? Um, no. Um, do, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. There was one I really liked. It was in the middle of the short story and it says, and yet it was in this room, Larissa's, that I had first learned that history is not dates or abstraction, but a space where memory becomes layered and textured. What is real is what you carry around inside of you. I was like, mm. Mm. yeah. Damn. Just, just literature. Just my, oh, yes. Yeah. But also, it just it's like that's you know history as dates and abstractions is is like what you would learn in school, like what she learned when mm-hmm. she went off to Britain. You know, this thing that sort of divorces the reality of 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 what we've done with like you know the academic or the statistical or the colonial. <laughs> They're like, how mm-hmm. many times can you say colonial in this story? <laughs> um, I can say it many times, <laughs> possibly mm. two more. Anyway, but right, and it's saying that oh, in actuality, this history is alive. This history is is a space. It's real. It's textured. It's it's alive. It's right. It's in us. Um, it's not something that can be divorced from. But, so anyway, that exactly. was a cool, cool yeah. little thing there. It makes me even think about just like intergenerational trauma, like just like mm. how. Yeah, both, like, in the institutions that surround us, yes, like, that history is still very much alive, but also even just in, like, our own makeups and, like, our own, just, like, how we exist in this world, like, that in itself often being, you know, a byproduct of yeah. the circumstances Be- around us, the traumas that precede us, you know, things like that. Right. Because because to, in actuality, right, like, the narrator is, is 
is Jamaican. So it's not like she doesn't yeah. have the same traumatized past as Larissa. Right. It's just that, you know, the social, like, in fact, there's, there is a trauma in how she likely became t- to have a higher class. Mm, <laughs> right? Like, there's, say that. You know, yeah. you know, um, and then how the, the British had a history of using like divisions. Uh, so like likely lighter skin in the situation divisions then right. to, to um, instill their colonial reign, right? So now that you have the lighter skinned people ruling and, and um, perpetuating over the, uh, the other people. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's, it's just a whole bundle of trauma. Um, if you want to untie this bundle. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us at the color pages at our Twitter or at our Instagram at these color pages. You know, if you thought that was a beautiful transition into the end of the show, you can definitely tell us at our email at these color pages at gmail.com. Or if you look at our website, you can see a list of other episodes in which we transition better or worse. <laughs> inside the episode hopefully not worse but honestly (laughs) cannot make any guarantees truly (laughs) my god (laughs) it's chaos the really the summer shorts just means we don't have to transition properly anyway so um (laughs) the website is (laughs) i don't know why we thought that but it's like it still has that quality um but anyway Um, yeah but you can go to our website is clarepages.com make sure to check out our link tree to know what we're reading next we're actually almost at the end of the summer i know you know, you'll just see what's up. You'll see what's yeah. what's gonna be next on the list. So yeah, mm. that's that's real. And yes, and of course, as always, if the show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, yes. Please feel free to live, you know, just leave us some love wherever you are listening to this podcast, which could be Apple Podcasts or not. So, yes, we love a comment. We love a rating. We love a review. You can leave one of those. You can leave all of those or just any, you know, just any sort of love. We always deeply, deeply appreciate it. Also, if you know of anyone that would really enjoy this episode, someone who is also trying to, like, you know, think through the ways of handling, you know, like emotional processing, coping mechanisms, you know, like a colonial sort of analysis, whatever the case may be, send them this episode because... We love to see it. And also, too, we are just very thankful for everyone that, that just takes the time to listen to mm-hmm. to this shit, to this podcast. Because, you know, it is, it truly wouldn't, you know, like, we would not be doing this if it weren't for for you, for all of you. And so we, we I mean, definitely appreciate it. it, but it would just be you and me reading books. Yeah, they, <laughs> basically. Um, so it's nice to, to, yeah, to just have a community around us. And, and we really, really do appreciate everyone's like time and contributions and, and, and insights because it's just, yeah, it, it makes all of this so much, so much, yeah, just, just, just so much worth it. But um, our last book of the Summer Short series will be our next book, unfortunately. So this shit is coming to a close, unfortunately, but we are closing it with a bang because we will be discussing a memoir manifesto called All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. So kind of keeping with like the nonfiction tease that we've been, I guess, doing this time around of giving some perceptless energy, albeit it's not a comic, but it is a memoir. So we'll be talking about All Boys Aren't Blue next time and just buckle up because it is... It's great. But between now and then, Akko, is there anything else we should leave our listeners with before we head out? Hmm. No. Just until we <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> Remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.